0: Well, it's good again to be with you tonight. Uh, I just wanna say, first of all, uh, to Brad, uh, thank you for inviting me to come. This has been so refreshing for us. And this has been a big weekend for you, and you didn't treat us like intruders, but you you welcomed us into your home and into your life. I'm I'm very thankful that we uh, were here when this happened. Uh, While you were praying, I just got a text uh, from your son, uh, actually, your your grandson is a girl. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's 2022. What's the difference? <laughs> it, it, in all seriousness, you have treated us like royalty and invited us into your family, and that that was very refreshing for us. We leave here. Uh, having been very well cared for by you. And I want to thank you uh, for that. Uh, second thing I would like to say is praise God that you have a Sunday night service and, and that the people, this is the Lord's day and you're, you're gathering here with the people of God. And uh, this to me is a tremendous crowd for a Sunday afternoon. And so... Um, uh, you are be, to be commended, and you are to be commended uh, for for coming out to uh, to be with God's people. And may this service uh, continue to grow. And um, I'm really just encouraged to see this many people that would come out on a Sunday afternoon at five o'clock. My heart has been warmed. Uh, I am a much better Christian as a result of having been here with you this weekend. I had a long conversation with my son, Parker, who is a pastor in Athens, Georgia, and we were just, I, I just could not stop talking uh, about what a blessing it was to be with you here today, and um, this, was, this, was, this was good for us to have been here. We, we needed uh, this. If you would please take your copy of the scripture and turn to the Ten Commandments to Exodus chapter 20. We'll look at one verse tonight. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Father in heaven, tonight, we want to approach you in all seriousness as the God of truth, the God of all truth. Lord, we want to confess, even as we prepare to present and hear the word of God, that we, Lord, by nature, are repelled by truth. Lord, we have only come to love truth and to know truth because your Spirit has worked in our hearts. And it is our prayer tonight, Lord, that we more and more would be lovers of truth and haters of lies. So, Lord, help us tonight as we study, convict us by your Spirit deeply in our hearts, and encourage us through the gospel of your Son. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. This is the ninth of the Ten Commandments. Originally, this was given to the children of Israel from God as a part of their national legislation. Uh, This commandment, in its initial initial application, pertained to a court of law. Many people believe that one uh, one of the Ten Commandments is, you shall not lie that is not true. It doesn't say you shall not lie. It says you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. It literally means when you go to court as a witness, you should not say anything that is not true. Tell the truth about your neighbor when you are on trial. That's what it meant in its original context. It was a national law, and the intent behind it was that society does not function well When there is a perversion of justice, when people lie in court, what happens is the guilty go free and the innocent are punished. And so what this is saying for the nation of Israel was that a culture which functions that way will come to ruin. And as a result, this has been passed on down through the generations and stiff penalties are in place and rightfully so for perjury. Sir, let me remind you that you are under oath. And you need to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, and failure to do so will result in either a penalty or jail time. And so, this needs to be enforced in a court of law, and if it isn't, then the criminal justice system will fall apart. And I think that every person would agree that it is good to tell the truth in court, For society as a whole. Unless you're an anarchist, you believe that people should be honest in the courtroom. Now that is the original intent of the ninth commandment. But as you read the rest of scripture, God makes it really clear that we are to be truthful not only in the courtroom, but out of the courtroom as well. So for example, also in the law of Moses, we read in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 11 and 12, you shall not lie to one another, you shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of the Lord your God, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah. Not only is that in the law of Moses in the Old Testament, but it also appears in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Why? For we are members of one another. So the question that I have for you this evening as we begin is, Do you believe that we ought to be truthful with one another, both in and out of the courtroom? Now, that is not a rhetorical question. I'm actually asking you that question, do you believe that we should be honest do not answer too quickly before you answer that question i would like to give you three points to think about before you answer and here is point number one and that is everybody is a liar everybody is a liar the bible says in psalm 116 verse 11 I said in my alarm, or as the old King James says, I said in my haste, all men are liars. Spurgeon, when he was commenting on this verse, said that the psalmist, when he was commenting, said this in his haste. But if he had stopped, and if he had contemplated and thought about this and meditated on it, he would have come to the same conclusion. All men are liars. Now, Before you get defensive on me, and uh, perhaps people will get defensive when I say that all people are liars, let me define what I mean. I am not saying that you are necessarily an habitual, unrepentant liar, although you may be, and I'm not saying that you do not strive to be truthful, because maybe you do. What I am saying is that by nature, by nature, lying comes very naturally to all of us. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 58, verse 3, that the wicked are estranged from birth. They come forth as soon as they are born speaking lies. Our first two children are boys. Uh, Parker is about two years older than Charlie. Charlie. When we brought Charlie home from the hospital, he was just a little butterball of a baby in a little carrier. We brought him into the house. I left the room for a few minutes, and Parker, who's about two years old, or a little less than two years old at the time, is left in the room with Charlie. I come back into the room, and about this high off of the floor, there are some crayon marks on the wall. I walk in, and I say, what happened? Who did this. Parker, who's not even two, looks at me, listens to the tone of my voice, looks at the expression on my face, and says, Charlie did it. (laughs) Who taught him at age less than two to lie? His mother. No, no. Now, what I'm saying when I say all men are liars, I mean it comes naturally to us, very naturally. Whether you are saved or whether you are not, whether you are a pastor or whether you are not, telling the truth is not natural. And to varying degrees, with varying degrees of frequency, all human beings tell lies. Everyone is a liar. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 4, let God be true, though everyone were a liar. Why are we all liars? Well, we are all liars because that is our nature. That's what we're told in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then this question is asked, who can know it? What does that mean? That means that you don't even know you. You are always lying and you don't even know that you are lying sometimes, and the person that you lie to the most is yourself. It comes very naturally to us. The verse teaches us that there is nothing more deceitful than the human heart, and it is so cunning that we deceive ourselves. In other words, we lie to ourselves so skillfully that we don't even know that we're doing it. And the lies that we tell come very quickly. Here's how it works. You are confronted with an inconvenient truth. What is an inconvenient truth? An inconvenient truth is when someone says something to you that is going to cost you. It's either going to cost you time or it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you extra work. It is going to cost you your reputation. It's going to cost you um, recreation, uh, they're going to bring the truth to you, and as the truth is being brought to you, whether you actually tell a lie or not, what is happening in your mind. Let me just stop for a minute. Maybe this isn't you, maybe this is just me, but I've done a lot of research on this subject. As an inconvenient truth is coming to me, whether I actually will speak a lie back to them, that which is formulated in my heart and in my mind is something less than the absolute truth. Lies come often, they come convincingly, they are believable, and they come without conviction. Even if you think about the fact that you have just misrepresented the truth, What you will do immediately is you will lie to yourself and you will tell yourself why you should not correct the lie which you just told. You accompany lies with lies so as to protect yourself. And we lie and we do not correct it. We say to ourselves, that's not going to hurt anybody. That isn't going to make any difference. And here's the most ironic feature. When we are confronted about being liars, we become very defensive. I think it is hysterical that someone who will be an adulterer, uh, someone who will be a thief, uh, someone who will be a drunkard, and maybe even proud of those things, and will exploit those sins, and, and will just flaunt them in front of people, if you even suggest that they might be a liar, they will get very defensive. Excuse me, did you hear what he just said? Are you calling me a liar? Well, yes, I am calling you a liar. You might not be lying in this particular case, but you, by nature, are a liar. We get very defensive about it. And so I would say, please don't get all dramatic and rant when someone says that you're a liar because Scripture says that you're a liar and you yourself know that you are a liar. Let's take a look at the Bible. And please understand, when I'm calling you a liar, I'm not saying that you in any way are unique. Let's consider Abraham. This woman isn't my wife. She's my sister. Let's take a look at Sarah. I wasn't laughing. What about Isaac? Did the same thing that his father did. What about Rebecca? She deceived her husband and got the birthright given to Jacob. What about Laban? Hey, if you work for me seven years, I'll give you the pretty girl. What does he do? He slips the homely girl in the tent in the middle of the night. What about Jacob? Jacob slips off in the middle of the night. Uh, What about Rachel? Same thing. What about Joseph's brothers? And that is just in the book of Genesis, and those are the good guys. And all of them are liars. We are manipulators and liars, and, and, and that is just the way that it is. But if you read the rest of the Bible, nothing changes. Why? Because point number one, everyone is a liar, and lying takes on all forms. There is the bald face lie. It's when I look you right in the eye, I don't change the expression on my face, and I'm not saying anything to you that is true, but you are convinced that I am telling the truth. It is a bald-faced lie. There is the little white lie. What is that? That's when midgets who don't have suntans tell lies. There's no such thing as a... a, Brad just got that. It's like, I love love the delay. You know, it's like... Thank you, I'll be here all week, make sure you tip your ushers, yes. No such thing as a little white lie. There's the exaggeration for the sake of making ourselves look good. There is resume lying. Several years ago, Notre Dame hired a coach. His name was George O'Leary. On his resume, he stated that he was a letterman for the University of New Hampshire. When the press went to some of his teammates at the University of New Hampshire and said, well, what kind of a player was George O'Leary? Strangely, no one remembered him. The reason they didn't remember him is because he didn't play football there. Immediately, Notre Dame fired him because he had lied on his resume, but O'Leary's brother said this, and I quote, willingness to lie on a resume is an indication of how much you want the job. In other words, not only was it acceptable, but it is admirable that he would do that. There's lying to protect other people. I had a friend in college who was sleeping with another one of our college friends, and yet he had a girlfriend in another town. And I said, forgetting the morality of it all, uh, I said, I said, isn't this going to hurt your girlfriend when she finds out? And his response was, I love her too much to tell her. He had deceived himself into thinking that he was being kind to his girlfriend by being dishonest with her. There is deception. You've been talking with that person, haven't you? No, I haven't. Well, Technically, you have not been talking with that person. You have been texting them, but but that's a technicality. It's like when Jesus says to the woman at the well, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. Well, you're telling the truth. You don't have a husband. You've had five, and the guy you're shacking up with now, he's not your own. When you have a technicality, that is a form of lying. I can remember as a teenager when... I would tell my parents that I was going to the mall, and what I would do for the sake of my conscience so that I wasn't lying is I would drive to the mall, and I kid you not, I would walk in one door, and I would walk out the other, and then I would go to a place where I was not supposed to be, and when my father or mother would ask, where were you, I would say, I was at the mall, which is not a lie. There is There are half truths, there are omissions, fabrications, flatteries, forgeries, and fibs. There's this one just tell the guy that you forgot your wallet. I think any sentence that starts with just tell the guy is not going to end well. How about this? Just tell the guy the truth. There's calling in sick when you are not sick. There are many forms of lying, covering for a friend. There's confessing to a lesser crime in order to divert attention from a larger sin. And the list goes on and on. I think you get the idea. But I think the worst form of lying is when we bring God into our lying. This comes in several forms. First of all, it's when we tell a lie, then we refuse to go to our fellow man and confess or own up to the lie, but we go to God and we say, God, would you please Forgive me of that lie. That is not only a lie, that is taking God's name in vain, that is mocking God. Or there's another form of lying by saying, I swear to God, I'm telling you the truth. That is lying, and it is taking God's name in vain. Or it's whispering under your breath, Lord, I'm about to lie, would you please forgive me? I think you get the idea, we love ourselves so much, and we are filled with such pride, And we want to protect ourselves and we want to look good and we want to guard our reputations and we want our comforts to be maintained that when an inconvenient truth comes our way, we have to attack that truth and the only ammunition that we have to attack that truth is with a lie. Point number one, everyone is a liar. Point number two, everybody is a liar and that's not okay and that's not okay. Uh, Somehow we think that just because it is common among men uh, and it is natural that therefore it is acceptable. Uh, All men are liars and this is not okay. It's not okay according to human experience and it is not okay with God. First of all, it's not okay according to human experience. You will lie to other people And you'll think that that is fine. Someone will lie to you and you will feel very hurt. Why? Because it's not okay. That's the lesser. But what about the greater? How much more offensive is a lie to a God who is the God of all truth? The God who cannot lie. The God of whom it is said in his word, thy word is truth. When we lie before a holy God, we are committing a horrible offense. He is holy and incapable of tolerating a lie. And you say, oh, he forgives, he loves, he understands, he knows, our, he knows my frame that I am just dust. He is merciful, but he does not take this lightly. Listen to this quote from Philip Riken. Riken said, honesty really is the best policy, not simply because it helps us get along with other people, but because our interpersonal communication ought to be grounded in the character of God, end quote. In other words, to to put it into the vernacular, my mother always told me, Eddie, tell the truth, because if you don't tell the truth, you're gonna develop a bad reputation, and if you develop a bad reputation, then people aren't going to trust you, so therefore, honesty is the best policy. And I think she was being wise, I think she was being right. I think that if someone is a liar, or if they conduct their business in a way where they're dishonest, people will stop trusting them, and they will start losing business. I agree with that wholeheartedly, But what Reichen is saying is that which should motivate us to be truth-tellers is not so much the fact that it is expensive to get caught in a lie, but the reason why we ought to be telling the truth is because we serve the God of all truth, and this is very offensive to him. It is primarily about understanding his holiness and his truthfulness, and so the fact that he values truth above all other things, and that he values integrity, and that that is precious to him. And when we, as his image bearers, the ones that are to be reflecting him and reflecting his glory, are not truth tellers, he will not tolerate it. Turn, please, to the book of Psalms, chapter 5, look at verses 4, 5, and 6, You've heard the cliche that God loves the sinner but hates the sin. That is just not true. Notice what it says in Psalm chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness, evil may not dwell with you the boastful shall not stand before your eyes you hate all evildoers you destroy those who speak lies the lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man that is very convicting And so what I would say to those of you who are in the habit of lying and then not correcting those lies, those of you that are habitual liars, please listen to me. Those of you that are good liars, and when I say good liars, I mean you're one of those people that could beat a polygraph test. You are cheating on your spouse and there's not a person in the world that even suspects it. You are cheating on your finances or maybe your income tax or something else. You're, you're, you're really good at your lies. You, you are deceiving uh, people in your life and you're getting away with it. Here's the worst thing that I can say to you tonight. The worst thing that you have going for you is that you are good at it and that you seldom get caught uh, and you have stopped feeling guilty about it. Because here's how the conscience works, even among unsaved people. When I was a little boy, I got a job for one night working in the carnival. Carnival came to town, I'm about 10 years old, and my job is to blow up balloons, to put them on the board with a big sign up front that says prize every time, and there are beautiful um, stuffed animals hanging around, draped around this little trailer, and you would throw the dart, And behind the balloon, there was a number. If you got a one, a two, a three, or a four, I would reach under here. I would pick out a little plastic toy that was worth less than a penny, and I would hand it to you. If you got a five, you got one of the stuffed animals. I worked all day. There were no fives on that board, and I knew it. At the end of the day, the gypsy handed me a dollar for working. Should I be shocked that she cheated me when she hired me to cheat people all day? No, I didn't mind the fact that I had only earned a dollar for working all day, but I went home and that night I could not get to sleep. Now I am an unconverted young man, I'm about 10 or 11 years old, and my conscience is pressing me really hard. And I have to wake up in the middle of the night and I have to go and wake my mother from her bed and I'm crying and I'm saying, Mom, I cheated those people. I cheated those people. Do you know why? Because I'm not an animal. I'm an image bearer of God. God has granted you something which is excessively precious and that is a soft and a tender conscience. But I will tell you this. When you tell a lie, you will feel bad about it. The second lie that you tell you will not feel as bad. The third lie will become easier. The fourth lie, you're gonna to start, to start to have a good memory at this point to remember how you've lied, but by the time you get to your fifth or sixth lie, once you have suppressed your conscience enough, you stop feeling it and you can lie like that and not feel a thing and sleep like a baby. That is really dangerous. When we can lie freely and not even feel anything about it. People that seldom get caught are really in trouble. Because one day you're going to have to stand before an omniscient God. And all the facts are going to be naked and open before the one to whom we must give an account. And Numbers says, be sure your sin will find you out. And Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You see, he is the God of all truth, and he hates lies, and he hates liars. We must not be cavalier about this. So what I would say to you this evening, I'm not trying to be trite, I'm not trying to be cute, I'm not trying to be funny. This is the honest truth. If you are an habitual liar, I don't care what your, your, your profession of faith is. I don't care what your Sunday school teacher or your mother or your pastor has told you. According to the word of God, if you are one who lies with regularity and you do not repent from those lies, the best chance that you have to go to heaven is if God himself is a liar. So the question tonight I would ask is, Not, are you a truth teller? But my question is this, do you believe that God is a truth teller? Because here's what we read in the book of Revelation. If you would please turn to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. I'll read you two verses, one from 21 and one from 22. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 8, the Bible says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, here we go, and all liars, not just some liars, but all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You have a chance to go to heaven if god is just joking here or if god himself is a liar but if this is true or unless i'm misinterpreting it which is which is possible i i i don't interpret every passage correctly but 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 it seems to be pretty straightforward that all liars will have their place in the lake of fire and then you get over to the next chapter chapter 22 the last chapter in the Bible. And it says outside, that is outside of the kingdom of God, outside of heaven, outside of the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So, your hope of escaping eternal damnation is if God is not telling the truth. This is a serious offense. You look at Ananias and Sapphira they lied to the Holy Spirit they lied to God therefore the Holy Spirit is God they 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 sold a piece of property they wanted to look good they said that they gave all of the money to the church and in Acts chapter 5 because they lied within three hours of one another they were both dead God struck them both dead and you might look at that story and say well I've been lying my whole life and God has never struck me dead that is even more reason for you to worry because what you are doing is you are piling up wrath against the day of wrath. Everybody's a liar, point number one. Everybody's a liar and that's not okay, point number two. Point number three, everybody is a liar except for Jesus. Jesus wasn't born like you and me Jesus was born of a virgin. He is the eternal Son of God. He was not born with a sin nature, and as he lived out his life, he did not lie. The Bible says in Isaiah fifty three nine, there was no deceit found in his mouth, and Jesus Christ stood for the truth. John chapter 18 verse 37 Jesus said for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth T R U T H truth, truth. every one who is of the truth listens to my voice and we read also in the book of John chapter 1 verse 14 that he is full of grace and truth and In one seventeen, that grace and truth come through the Lord Jesus Christ. When he is standing in the temple on Tuesday of Passion Week, someone came up to him in Matthew 22.16, and he said, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the the way of God truthfully. And then Jesus says in John 14.6, I am the truth. That's why the God of all truth, can say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because Jesus always told the truth. Jesus is truth personified. Not only did he not lie, but he always spoke truth. And God looks at him and he is pleased with him. You say, so what? How does that help me? How am I helped by the fact that Jesus is the truth and that Jesus always told the truth? Well, the answer is the gospel. The answer is substitution. You see, I am offering you no help whatsoever tonight by telling you that you should stop telling lies. Although you should stop telling lies, and I'm going to encourage you to stop telling lies, but ultimately that doesn't help you. Because if you attend church tonight, and let's just say for the sake of argument that you live another 40 years, and during those next 40 years you, com- you tell no lies whatsoever. You're still going to go to hell. The reason you're going to go to hell is because you've told lies up to this point. What you need is a perfect record. And so the application for tonight is not so much start telling the truth. The application tonight is there was one who told the truth for you. And the righteousness of the truth teller, Jesus Christ, is credited to our account. And our lies were placed on his account, and he who knew no sin became sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here I am. I am a liar. My lies are upon me. Jesus Christ is here. He is a truth teller. He does nothing but tell the truth. We swap places. I get his honesty. He gets my lies. When he got my lies, he had to pay for my lies, and he did pay for my lies on the cross. He bore in his body our sins upon the tree, and my, my righteousness now is not my own righteousness, but it is the righteousness of Christ. You see, it is so important that Jesus was a truth teller, because his record becomes my record. Everybody is a liar except for Jesus Christ. And we receive righteousness, righteousness before the throne of God, not by the cessation of our lies. And I'm going to encourage you to stop lying. I'm going to give you practical applications about stop about about, about the fact that you need to stop lying. But ultimately, when you stand before God. You need a perfect record, and the only way to get that is through the person and work of Jesus Christ who died in your place, was raised, and his righteousness becomes yours. Having said that, I will close now by giving you four points of practical application. Number one might be the hardest point of application you've ever received in your life. After I give this point of application, you might be saying, Pastor, are you serious? Yes, I am. If you have lied to anyone, and that person is still living, and you remember lying to them, first of all, confess that to God, and then go seek the forgiveness of the image-bearer of God that you have lied to Because that person is in the image of God, and you are to correct that lie. In other words, set the record straight. I don't want to exaggerate, because if I exaggerate, that would be a form of lying. But I have had to do this on countless occasions, dozens of occasions. And the reason why is because I am not a liar, I am what they call such a liar. I am by nature a liar. It doesn't matter that I'm a pastor. When the inconvenient truth comes to me, the thing that I want to do, whether I do it or not, is I want to lie. And I can remember on countless occasions when I have lied so as to protect myself, and then I've had to go back and I've had to correct it. I could give you so, we would be here for a very long time if I were to give you all of the instances of this. I will just share one. I was on staff at a church. One of the elders called me up and he said, I need you to order a book for me, a Bible commentary for my Sunday school class. I said, not a problem. Of course, I forgot to order the book. He saw me on Sunday morning. We were passing one another on the hall, in the hallway, and he said, Ed, did you order my book? I said, absolutely. I hadn't ordered the book. And then I go into the worship service, and as I'm sitting there in the worship service, I'm having a conversation with myself saying, first of all, what difference does it make? I can order the book Monday morning. It'll be here by Wednesday. It's not going to get here any quicker as a result of me telling a truth or telling a lie. It doesn't really matter. I kind of ordered the book in my heart. Like, I'm struggling. I'm struggling as to, you know, I'm trying to find a way that this would be truthful. And through that entire worship service, I couldn't pay attention to the sermon. I couldn't sing the hymns. I couldn't pray because I had just lied to the guy. I had to walk up to him after the service immediately and say, Jim, we've we've got two problems here. Number one, I'm irresponsible. And secondly, and more importantly, I lied to you. I did not order that book. I have already confessed this before God, but now I need to let you know that I haven't done that. I have had to do that so many times. Sometimes my lies are calculated, like I have time to think about it and I speak it. Most of the time I am blindsided and, and the lie will come out even before my mind processes it. But when it comes out, it's out there. And the Holy Spirit will convict, and I'm so thankful that he does, that it has to go back and it has to be corrected. You see, the reason that this is important is because this is what David says in Psalm 51, verse 6. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. The most valuable tool that you possess to live the Christian life is a soft conscience which is sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so lying and not correcting that lie is the sin which will harden the conscience and will bring about more lies. And so I would just say, and here's the thing. This entire sermon while I have been preaching, you have been thinking about a lie which you have told and you have in part just not been listening to me but you've been having a debate with yourself as to why too much time has passed and what good will it do and uh, does that pastor even know what he's talking about? I think by virtue of the fact that you are even having that conversation, it is an evidence that you need to go and that you need to correct it. My experience has been That when you go and correct it, the person to whom you confess, in most cases, is going to very quickly forgive you, and my experience is the reason why they quickly forgive is because they are such liars themselves, and they understand that this is a sin which is common to man. And sometimes it does end up costing you, and sometimes there are consequences to it, but that is not the point. The point is to live with nothing between your soul and the Savior. Let me put a caveat on this. I know that some of you are military and that uh, part of your job uh, in keeping our nation secure uh, is to uh, misrepresent the truth so as to gain an advantage over an enemy. And some of you perhaps might be a narcotics agent and you have to pose as though you are a druggie yourself or something along those lines that's not what i'm talking about here i'm not i'm not talking about you know you don't need to like uh, uh, you know call up russia and say i'm so sorry i'm so sorry listen i need to tell you all the secret. no i'm not talking about that <laughs> I, I i am talking about you protecting yourself in your daily life as a liar that needs to be corrected number two When you lie in the future, not if, and this is not an excuse to lie, but when you lie in the future, correct it as quickly as possible. And when I say as quickly as possible, as soon as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, do it right away. Because the lie that will hurt you is, I will correct it at an opportune time you need to correct it right away in fact you're in a conversation you tell a lie the other person begins to talk you interrupt them and say hey we can get back to the subject in just a minute but about two minutes ago i just told you a lie that wasn't what happened here's the truth here's the truth i guarantee you that if you will act quickly on the voice of the holy spirit to be a truth teller you will lie less because you will not want to keep going back and correcting it it is easier to just tell the truth to begin with number 3 be slow to speak be slow to speak that's what it says in James 1:19 the reason that i give you this point is because lies come quickly And so, when you are confronted with an inconvenient truth, it is not deceptive to just look at the person and say nothing. And by the way, being honest and being open are two different things. We are not called in Scripture to be open. Sometimes, someone might ask you a question to which you might need to respond, I would rather not speak to that subject at this time. It is inappropriate for me to speak to that subject at this time. I don't want to talk about that right now. In many cases, that's okay. But sometimes, when people talk to us, we just need to pause. And if they say, Is everything all right? you say, I'm thinking. And then formulate your answer in a way which is truthful not deceptive, not leaving them with the impression by technically saying the right words, but leaving them with the impression of something else. But you don't have to talk so fast. And so I would say, be slow to speak. And then I would say number four, and finally, read the Bible all the time. Read the Bible all the time why because you're a liar and you talk to you and the devil is a liar and he talks to you and you turn on the television and they talk to you in lies and you go into work tomorrow and your coworkers are lying to you and we live in a world of lies, and you watch a television program, and what happens in it is that there is a liar in the television program, it is justified, sometimes it is even exonerated, and so you are bombarded with lies from within and from without, but Jesus says, sanctify them by thy word, thy word is truth. The way that you combat lying is just to be hearing the truth all the time. And the more you read the Bible, every word of it that you're reading is the truth. So, everyone's a liar. It's not okay. Jesus is not a liar. He is our righteousness. And as we walk a walk which is worthy of him, if we have lied, we need to correct it when we lie we need to correct it quickly we need to be slow to speak and we need to be having the input of the bible all the time does anybody have any questions because i know that uh this is a a a heavy subject and i might have uh there might have been a lack of clarity or uh I, i i might have overstated something is there is there anyone Uh, that has a question that um, needs to be asked before I sit down. All right, I love it when I'm thorough. Uh, Father in heaven, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will cause us to be truth-tellers, Lord, because you are the truth. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen.